0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up everybody and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. I know it's been about a week or so since I last talked to you guys pre-Christmas and our pre-game podcast preparing for the New York Jets in week 16 and the Christmas holiday got a little bit in the way of things in our schedule a little bit this week, but We're still going to talk about the Jets game a little bit, more so of the quarterback position. Obviously, you guys know the news. Sam Howell benched for Jacoby Brissett, and Jacoby will start this week at home in Week 17 against the San Francisco 49ers following their 33-19 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. So, obviously, they're going to come into FedEx Field with something to play for. They're still fighting for the number one seed in the NFC. So we're going to get into the Niners. We're going to go on offense. We're going to go on defense. We're going to see two familiar names in Trent Williams, most likely, should he play. He's been banged up a little bit these last few days. And, of course, we're going to see our old friend Chase Young on the defensive side of the football. But I'd want to start with today with the move at quarterback to go from Jacoby, a veteran journeyman quarterback in this league, to start the final two games of the season Two games that mean absolutely nothing to Washington, other than if you're on, you're with Martin Mayhew, you're Marty Herney, you're in the scouting staff, and you're trying to see something from certain players, or you're certain players on Washington's roster that are trying to prove something, not just for the new regime expected to come in next year, but for the other 31 clubs in the NFL to put something on tape for those teams. If you're on an expiring contract, or You're just going to be somebody that's going to be released because the new regime has no ties to you here in the coming months. But the bottom line is, and my thoughts with Sam and Jacoby is, Washington's put themselves in such a precarious situation with what they've done at the quarterback position. Because when you look at Sam Howell... And I've sat here, and you guys can go back into prior episodes if you don't believe me, and said that Sam Howell is my guy, and I do believe that he has the goods and the making of a average to slightly above average quarterback in this league, and that's what you need in this league to win football games. You don't need a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes to holster the offensive workload every single game and play hero ball each and every game, which what we've seen really, what we've seen from Sam Howell since Thanksgiving. You need somebody that can be efficient, that can play that game manager role, which for some people think that's a negative term. It's not a negative term to be a game manager. Again, be efficient, take care of the football, be a decent athlete to move around in the pocket a little bit, and make some throws when you move forward back into that deeper portions of the intermediate areas, and as you look to stretch the field in that upper third, that 20-plus range of the offense. And at times this year, we saw that from Sam Howell. When he has a little bit of time, We've seen what number 14 can do. And really his first season as, as a quarterback in the NFL, his rookie season, if you will, his second year in the NFL, and his second offense that he's learned. Obviously, last year as a rookie, sitting behind Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke uh learning the offense, right? With under Scott Turner. So look, it it's it's unfortunate how this has played out because Jacoby's had his chances in a multitude of spots to prove he's the guy. And moving into 2024, it's really going to be a miracle, if you want to even call it that. If you think Jacoby Brissett is the guy, uh, ladies and gentlemen, moving into 2024 for this Washington Commanders roster, um, I'll bet my house that he's not the guy moving into next year. And it really doesn't make any sense to be starting him right now. For what Sam has been through this year, especially from... An undertaking perspective of learning a new offense and working behind a historically bad offensive line to where you failed from a talent evaluation perspective in bringing in Nick Gates and Andrew Wiley has not been good this year. And you've seen a shuffle on the left side to where, look, Charles Enos, look, he's lived out there, but he has not been good. You've seen both Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul be below average guards at the guard spot. Tyler Larson has come in and, and played some decent football, but he's not somebody that you want to start for 17 games a year at the center spot. The tight end position hasn't been of any help to Sam this year as far as separation in the shallow to intermediate areas of the offense. You, at times, and this could come down to Derek Biannimi's play calling, did not run the ball enough with Brian Robinson, Chris Rodriguez, and Antonio Gibson when all three were healthy. We've seen Brian Robinson, right, miss the last two weeks. Chris Rodriguez today was just put on IR after a two-touchdown performance against the New York Jets. It was good to see him uh, get some juice going this year in his rookie campaign out of Kentucky. Someone that I enjoyed studying in last year's pre-draft process, went down to the Senior Bowl, was good there after a hell of a career in the SEC, and someone that's violent, someone that really fits, I guess, what Eric Bienni wants in his running backs. He's not that third-down scat-back wiggle-in-space type of J.D. McKissick back. He's more of that early down, power inside zone, run-you-over, put-my-face-mask-through-your-chest-plate type of ball carrier inside the tackles. And he's shown a lot of juice this year, which, for Antonio Gibson's perspective, we fully expect him, I fully expect him, to be out moving into next year. And really, you could say Chris Rodriguez was the best rookie for Washington. He was taken late on day three. So that says a lot about how Washington has evaluated talent around Sam Howell this year. And I'm not trying to give excuses to Sam because the bottom line is he has not played good football since Thanksgiving. And look, he looks rushed. His feet are sped up. His process as a whole is sped up. He's not accurate. He's more of a thrower than a passer right now or beyond a quarterback in the NFL trying to lead an offense. And What has been unfortunate is when Jacoby's coming into these ball games, down two touchdowns, down three touchdowns, to where defenses really are, look, backup quarterbacks in the game, we're not going to play our typical, uh, we're going to play press, or we're going to play man, or we're going to show just, we're going to line up with two high safeties and force everything underneath. And that's when Jacoby's come in the game and made things look easy. And I expect him to make it look easy because he's been a veteran quarterback in this league. And if you're facing off coverage, And you know you have a tight end, Logan Thomas, that's running a four-yard hook over the middle of the field. He's going to drop back, put that foot in the ground, and hit Logan Thomas. And for a lot of you guys out there, and what we've seen from other media members this week, you say, wow, Jacoby just, he looks so clean when he's operating this offense. And he looks decisive. And his reads pre-snap and then activating post-snap is all in tune it's, and Sam's more of a I'm going to read here, I'm going to read here. I don't know what I'm looking up front and then I got a guy in my face. I'm trying to escape and it's just sloppier sandlot type of ball that we've seen from Sam these last 4 or 5 weeks, which is why Jacoby, I guess, in Ron's mind is now going to be the quarterback. And it's again, it's just been unfortunate that every time Jacoby's come in these last 2 weeks that they're chasing ball games, defenses aren't running what they usually run. And he's just like, dissecting seven-on-seven football here and there. Now, not to say he hasn't made some nice throws. He has. But I'm going to be extremely interested to see what Jacoby and how he approaches, I'm assuming, San Francisco and Dallas as really a moment in his career to say, I deserve potentially a starting spot in the NFL moving into 2024. Because you heard his presser this week to where he said, I, you know, I expected to come in this summer in Washington and compete for a job. And you can say it was handed to Sam Howell, but I personally thought that Sam Howell last year was the most talented quarterback on Washington's roster, and it really wasn't close when he was there with Carson and Taylor. And again, at points this year, Sam Howell proved that he can operate an offense with just a little bit of time. Running the football more would have helped Sam even more to where you don't have to throw it 30, 35 plus times. It also didn't help that Washington was consistently chasing football games because the defense couldn't hold teams under 40 points every single week. So you're asking him to try to keep them in ball games. Defenses know he's throwing. Defenses look at film. They get tape, right? They're not just looking at one little thing from last year when he played Dallas, right? Or his tape at North Carolina. You have tape after weeks one and week four and five and six and seven and eight, all those games and all that tape and what the concepts and what the pillars of Eric Bieniemy's offense are, those stay the same. And what he likes to do on certain down and distances, what he likes to do in certain formations, what formation does Washington align into where they're consistently running draws or they're running an RPO, or if they're an empty, do they stay in empty or do they have guys motion into Sam Howell's hip pocket pre-snap? A lot of those things defenses pick up on. And it's just extremely, really sad and unfortunate because of how a lot of young players this year for Washington have not lived up to expectation. Because it's not just, you could say, Sam Howell, even though we saw the flashes. I've talked about Emmanuel Forbes all year long. It's a shame what happened with Emmanuel in year one. His evaluation window right now with a potential new GM coming in and a definitely a new defensive coordinator that did not draft him, that throws a wrench in his process moving into year two as far as what you expect from him as a first-round pick. You look at Fadarian Mathis. Already, there's just two games left in year two of his career, and in my opinion, I haven't seen enough as a second-round pick. Quan Martin, up and down campaign, has a good amount of snaps this last month and a half of the season. But as a second round pick, and what he was asked to do as far as this inside out versatile corner, I haven't seen it. Not to the level I'd like as a a second round pick, for damn sure. So everything comes under the scrutiny for me at the top down, which is what we've talked about, really, when Snyder was the owner of this football team, and we said nothing is going to change until he's gone, because why? It stops. It starts at the top down. So now with Snyder gone, and Josh Harris and Magic Johnson and Mitchell Rails running this thing, and with Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Ron Rivera expected out, right, joining Jack Del Rio on the shelf, who is going to run the show? Is Eric Bieniemy going to get a chance to be head coach? We will see. I hope he does. I like what I've seen from Eric Bieniemy in year one. Now, has things has it been perfect? No, it has not been perfect. And the speed bumps with number 14 and Sam Howell under center this year is what we expected with a young quarterback. Now, you didn't want him to lead the, the NFL interceptions, which he does. You don't want to see that. But from an architectural perspective at times, most of the time, You could see from what Eric does if certain upgrades are made to certain positions that this thing will work. We've seen this offense really churn points and churn yards and churn back-to-back-to-back drives where they're they're kicking field goals or they're getting to the end zone. We saw the activation of Sam Howell's legs a little bit near the goal line at times this year where he had multiple rushing touchdowns just a few weeks ago. So those little things in Eric's offense I like. But he's had to change and modify what he does because the offensive line can't protect anybody. Your tight ends are a group that's really inept, other than Logan Thomas presenting a big body over the middle of the field. We saw John Bates drop a clear touchdown the front side of the end zone against the New York Jets last week, which 99.9% of people will catch don't care if you're an NFL player or just a guy that wants to just go catch a football and it's thrown to you from seven yards away. You're gonna catch the football. There was nobody in his hip pocket. There was nobody reaching over his shoulder trying to bat the ball away or playing through his hands. The ball was in his lap, and he still dropped the football. So that's a whole nother conversation for another time. But from an offensive perspective this year, and what we've seen progress over the last two weeks with Sam being benched and then now moving into the final two games of the season before we get into officially. The offseason and preparing for the draft and free agency, which you guys know I'll have you covered here at the commanding at Commanding the Huddle all winter long and as we move in to the early portions of the spring where we ultimately get to Detroit in the 2024 NFL draft. It's just really unfortunate. And look, I try to stay as positive as I can here. I'm looking forward to seeing Jacoby play. Because right now, Washington sits with the third overall pick in the draft. Is that a spot where a new regime and a new head coach and a new GM and potentially if Eric Bieniemy is the head coach and he wants his guy under center, is that a spot where they go quarterback? Because if it is, look, there's not a rookie quarterback that's going to come in. I don't care if it's Caleb Williams. I don't care if it's Drake May. You look back to Andrew Luck. You look back to Trevor Lawrence. I don't care who it is. You're not going to have a rookie quarterback come in with this line right now and just mask everything and lead you to the playoffs. Win the NFC East, challenge for it, finish top two, at minimum get a wild card seed, maybe five, six seed in the NFC. I don't see that with this roster right now. Now those players are extremely exciting. But could you trade back if you're at three? If a team wants to come up for potentially a Jaden Daniels, is Jaden Daniels Washington's guy? Is it Drake May? Is it Caleb Williams? There's a lot to talk about as we move forward into these next few months. And I promise you, we're gonna dive into everything in every possible avenue. Again, in these next few months, as we lead up to the spring from a draft perspective. But as we sit here right now, post-Christmas and right before New Year's, when Washington hosts San Francisco at home. In a game, when we looked at the early portions of the year to where those final two games, remember we did that schedule preview months ago before we kicked off in week one uh, against the Arizona Cardinals, we said, wow, that final two games of the year, hopefully they mean something because the last few years, they really just happened outside of 2020, right? When Washington a, or won the NFC East and hosted Tampa in the playoffs in that COVID year. But these two games just don't mean crap. And It sucks. Because a lot of teams are fighting for positions. They're fighting for a wild card. Look at the back end of the wild card right now in the NFC. It's above 500, 500, or a team, a win or two below 500 that are still in the hunt for this damn thing. And the floor that we've seen from Ron Rivera since he's been in Washington has been what? It's been 500 football. So you can't blame anybody that said heading into this year, me included, that said, look, Washington's floor is 500 football now with Eric Biennemi coming in. Now, I understand the change at quarterback and all those different things. And of course, 2-0 got a lot of people excited. And look, it was Arizona and it was Denver. And Washington escaped that Denver win by the skin of its teeth. But at the end of the day, you just want to be competitive. And you want to compete for a playoff spot. And... Now, again, we're just waiting for the penultimate, which is what's going to happen to this organization? Who's going to be here? Who's not going to be here? Who's going to be the GM? Who's going to be pushing the buttons come April? We're going to get into some names to know, people that deserve interviews, people that are going to get interviews in Washington in the next few months. Again, for me, it starts with Eric Bieniemy because I do believe he deserves a chance to be a head coach. And I don't see, if Washington goes the offensive route with an offensive-minded head coach, and it's not Eric Biennemi, I don't see how EB is still in town, if it's not him. And if they want to go a defensive-minded head coach, and Eric Bien-Aimé's still, you still know, assistant head coach, and he's uh, still running the offense, Oh, okay, maybe he stays around. But I think he wants that head coaching position. And I was under the impression, from the conversations I've had in Washington heading into this year, was that this was going to be Ron Rivera's last year anyway. We're pretty damn sure this is his last year. I'm 99.99% confident that when it hits Black Monday following Washington's Week 18 game against the Dallas Cowboys, that Ron Rivera is going to be gone. And again, under the impression that Eric Bieniemy was going to take over and become head coach. So as of right now, that looks like the immediate path forward, right? That A to, that A to B path, linear path from Eric to go from O.C., to HC. It's right there for you. Hire a young defensive coordinator, whether you're gonna have to bring in somebody from another team that's a linebacker's coach or a DB's coach like Al Harris in Dallas, or bring in somebody from the college rank. Look, who knows? A lot of conversations to be had. But it starts at the top with the GM and all the way down with how this team has evaluated talent. You draft them, you develop them, and you coach them. And that's what lack has lacked is the, the development and the coaching. Specifically for me. On the defensive side of the ball, with what we've seen from Washington's first two picks in Forbes and in Quan Martin. But now with the the situation on offense, to just bench Sam Howell, to start Jacoby Brissett, who has proven to be a journeyman backup in this league. And look, backups matter, and I'm not hating on Jacoby Brissett, but he's had his opportunity to be the guy, and he's proven that he can't be the guy. And for Sam Howell's perspective to where, look, it's been, I guess, that ugly for Ron Rivera to win his final two games as head coach, just benching Sam for whatever reason, it doesn't make any sense. And now you have the San Francisco 49ers coming into town who, again, are 11 and 4. They're atop the NFC West. They're top three in the NFC as a whole, and they're fighting with the Lions and the Eagles who has both as well, 11 and four. So let's get into the game preview for this week. Again, we're going to see Jacoby Brissett under center for Washington. Whatever he does, does, it just does still not move the needle for me uh, as far as potentially even pondering the idea of him starting next year for Washington. I simply do not see it because there's more needs right now for Washington with Sam Howell on this roster outside of the quarterback position then trying to draft a guy next year in the top five and throwing him into this offense, then trying to, again, you're trying to draft a quarterback with this offensive line. I I just do not see that right now as the best path forward. Because again, Nick Gates was new, Andrew Wiley's new, you drafted Ricky Stromberg who had no impact, you drafted Braden Daniels who wasn't even active for one game, has been on IR all year long. All that crap matters. And there's, again, more needs on this roster right now than at quarterback. It's still the same holes that we talked about last year, this year. Corners. Look, Forbes was not good. It's still a need. You still need corners, right? Kendall Fuller is a free agent. You still need help. Linebacker. The only guy under contract is Jamin Davis. Missed the last few weeks and he's going to miss the rest of the year on IR. Not going to be there. Tight end. I've talked about tight end all year long. You need help there. And offensive line. You need tackles. You need guards. And you need centers. You need guys. You need guys. The best guy, I guess, for me, along the offensive line this year was Sam Cosby. And he was not perfect. There were times where he was good. You watched the Jets game. Man, he was average. But picking up stunts and twists still is a massive concern for me. Moving forward for him. Moving into year four. Next year, there are so many holes in this roster. So many holes beyond the quarterback position. And that presents a lot of avenues for what they can do in April. Not just in the draft, where they're going to have a lot of picks, but in free agency, where they're projected to have the most cap space of any team in the NFL. And they're going to have to spend their money wisely. Also at edge. You need some more edge rushers. you got to get after the quarterback. lot of holes guys on this roster potentially trading back from where they are three four five whatever the hell they are two who knows a lot of options we're going to talk about that as we move forward but let's get into the san francisco 49ers again 11 and 4 leaders of the nfc west and the we're going to start on offense and look it's brock purdy you've heard the name you've heard the story mr irrelevant out of iowa state um When you look at this Kyle Shanahan offense, now there's going to be a lot of people out out there that still are going to say that Brock Purdy is not a good NFL quarterback. Now, it's all about situation, and of course it's always about context when you dive into these players and these certain offenses and certain systems to where it makes him look good. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Brock Purdy is a top-of-the-half NFL talented quarterback. In my mind, he is not. But the efficiency in which he operates, and he's decisive, and he's athletic, and he can make every throw in the book. Now, he's not going to he doesn't have a big arm. He's not the most dynamic athlete with his feet, and he doesn't have the, the layering ability and the pre-snap reads and the diagnosing ability um, to be this dynamic athlete under center to where you want to move him into the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL, or really where the conversation he is entering last week's game against the Ravens was the MVP conversation. It is extremely nice to be surrounded by Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. That is really nice to have. And it's also really nice to have Trent Williams, our old friend Trent Williams, protecting your blind side on every single snap. Now again, Trent was banged up a little bit in that Ravens game. He's expected to play this week, but we will see if he does again. The Niners are still playing for the one seed. They want to lock that up as far as home field throughout the playoffs if they were to get to the NFC Championship game. And I'm sure that Trent will do everything that is possible to be there, especially coming back to FedEx. Brock Purdy, again, is that game manager. And what Kyle Shanahan, our old friend, Kyle Shanahan, I feel like we have a lot of old friends around the league that are having a lot of success just away from Washington. And it sucks. I hate it. hate talking about it. But we always talk about that old 2013 gang of coaches in Washington of the sense gone elsewhere and branched out and had success at their individual places. And, of course, Kyle Shanahan is another. But the way in which he operates this offense from Brock Purdy's perspective and how he's got Kyle Shanahan in his ear is everything is quick, everything is timing, everything is rhythm, and you're not going to see them in a lot of 3rd and 8s, 3rd and 9s, 3rd and 10s where they ask him to sit back and read defenses left to right, right to left, two, three, four progressions. You're not going to see that. You're going to see designated reads on every single snap to where there's a lot of clear-out routes. There's a lot of screens. You're going to see Christian McCaffrey flex out into space or run a wheel route and winning a matchup pre-snap against a linebacker like a Cody Barton or a Kalik Hudson this week. That's what they like to do. They like to create mismatches pre-snap. Brock Purdy understands that. He sees his reads, he finds those keys in the defense, where the linebackers are, where that safety is, where where is his depth at, what's the depth of the corners, are they blitzing anybody, does he look like he's blitzing, does he look like he's staying back, he's going to read those matchups pre-snap and when that ball is snapped, he understands where he's going in under a second and the ball is out quick and you get it to Debo Samuel who's one of the most athletic, physical, aggressive runners with the ball in his hands. That 215, 20-pound frame, basically like throwing a Brian Robinson in space and watch, just watching him run. He turns into a running back when the ball's in his hands. George Kittle, one of the most dynamic tight ends in the entire league. Brandon Ayuk, highly touted receiver, high draft capital, comes into the NFL, and really the start of his career wasn't great. But as he's developed these last few years, he's become really, you could say, their wide receiver 1A to Debo Samuel. He's a three-level threat. He's physical. He'll block his ass off down the field. He does everything for this Niners offense. And all of these guys complement each other. It's One of them could go off every single week. Two of them could go off. And the other two don't go off from a relative perspective, from a numbers perspective. But Christian McCaffrey is the hefty straw that stirs this offense. He can rush it 25 plus times for 100, 150 yards for two touchdowns. And he can also catch 10, 11 balls for 150 more in a touchdown or two. One of the most versatile weapons in the NFL, really to enter the game since he was drafted by Carolina out of Stanford years ago, right? They acquired him at the deadline last year. John Lynch, the Niners GM was a hell of a move to get him over to San Francisco. For me, they are right alongside Baltimore, and still, for me, an honest opinion, because Super Bowls are not won in December, I still think they are the best team in football, and Baltimore exposed them a little bit. Now, it's a credit to, to Mike McDonald, Baltimore uh, Ravens defensive coordinator, who, if he's looking for a head coach job and Washington goes that defensive route, I would like them to interview Mike McDonald, again, out of Baltimore, second year uh, running the defense for the Ravens, formerly uh, at Michigan, had a hell of a year for them. So they got exposed a little bit, losing again 33-19 in that ball game at home. However, this is still a extremely high-powered, high-octane offense. Now, again, the Ravens could have exposed a couple things here and there and held them under 20 points, but we've seen some few lapses from the Niners right this year to where they couldn't run the ball with success, and then they put it in Brock Purdy's hands, and it didn't work out. And he's throwing interceptions and turnover-worthy plays here and there. From Washington's perspective, again, zero expectations for the rest of the year for me on the defensive side of the football because they've proven to not be able to stop anybody. And this week, with the Niners not only traveling thousands of miles away from home, right across the country, off of a really a two-touchdown ass-whooping by the Baltimore Ravens, a game in which could have been or could still be a Super Bowl preview, and I would not be shocked if we see a rematch of those two meeting up uh, in February, When we reach the Super Bowl, but they're gonna be inspired. They're going to play passionate football. And why? Well, they're look they're eleven and four, and they're trying to win the NFC. And they look at this game right now, and look, it's it's the Washington Commanders to where they have a top five pick, and there's changing quarterbacks, and you know Nick Bosa and Chase Young are gonna be excited. Javon Hargrave and Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, getting out for the quarterback this week. That's That's the 49ers thought process right now, smiling from ear to ear. It's where they think they're going to probably put up 40 plus and limit Washington to under 15. That's what they're thinking right now. And as they should, they have the talent to do so. Now they just have to execute and it's never easy at the end of the day to win on the road in the NFL. But this Niners team, again, for me is the best team in all of football on offense and on defense and led in the headset by head coach Kyle Shanahan who in my opinion should be right in the running for coach of the year the job that he does specifically with architecture of this offense so again on offense it's going to be Brock Purdy at quarterback Christian McCaffrey is their do-everything running back all world all superstar all everything talent um, on the outside it's Brandon Ayuk it's Debo Samuel flex talent and George Kittle and then up front it is going to be Trent Williams most likely at left tackle you're going to see Aaron Banks, who they took out of Notre Dame a few years ago. Center is going to be Jake Brendel. Right guard is Spencer Burford. If you guys remember that name from my podcast a couple years ago, Spencer. A uh, good friend of mine, he had a top 30 visit with Washington before the 2022 NFL Draft. And then at right guard is Colton McKivitz. Now, they lost Mike McGlinchey to the Denver Broncos this offseason, and McKivitz has been that replacement, if you will, at right tackle. And I say if you will because he has not been good been drastically below average. Consistent pressures week after week. I believe he's allowed nine or ten sacks on the season. So if I'm looking at a spot for Washington to get pressure this week, it's through the uh, B and C gaps uh, along this Niners offensive line on the right side. So outside shoulder of Spencer Burford and the outside shoulder of Colton McKivitz. Again, Trent Williams plays. I just don't see a guy on Washington's roster really Maybe one or two guys in the NFL. You could say Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and TJ Watt as far as guys that could threaten Trent Williams uh, around the edge. It just, Washington doesn't have that Montez Sweat, Chase Young type of edge rusher right now on this roster. Again, to push the pocket outside of number 71. I just don't see that. So it's going to be nice seeing Trent back at FedEx Field. Um, I hope someday he goes down in the Redskins. Ring of Fame, right, because he was drafted as a Washington Redskin out of Oklahoma years ago in the first round. He's just been the penultimate pro, one of the most athletic tackles really ever to play the game in my mind. First ballot Hall of Famer, just a fantastic football player. And when I look at this 49ers roster, it gets me excited to talk about this team because it's just a hell of a football team and you appreciate good football players and you appreciate the game played at a high level on either side of the football. So I just mentioned their deep arsenal of skilled players, and then you got big Trent Williams protecting this kid's blind side. Then you hop over to the defensive side of the ball, and that's where you see Nick Bosa, right? First rounder, number two overall pick out of Ohio State years ago, and he's become one of the premier edge rushers in all of football. Win with power, win with speed, he can do whatever. Um, Andrew Wiley, right, he left the second half of that game last week with the hyperextended elbow. We saw Trent Scott play some right tackle. We saw Cornelius Lucas play some tackle as well last week. Buckle up your seatbelts. You're going to see a lot of running backs helping to that side. You're going to see tight ends and Logan Thomas and John Bates and probably Cole Turner there. Buckle your seatbelts. And the move to bring in Chase Young, It's look, it's going to be Chase Young's homecoming back in D.C. It's not just because he played for Washington, but also remember... He went to Damatha, right right in the, in the DMV area. So he's going to be souped up and ready to play. You know that. You know Chase Young is going to want to get a sack or two or three in this ballgame. And I'm sure, looking at Leno or Lucas or whoever the hell is playing offensive line at tackle, he's going to want to get after them and embarrass them. That's what Chase Young is going to want to do this week. And look... He's had two sacks the last two weeks, so one in each game. So back-to-back weeks, Chase Young has had sacks. He's going to want to make it three straight. And you know if you played somewhere and they drafted you in the top five and you were there for the first few years of your career, then they trade you and you go back to that team in that same year on the road. right? If it was at home, yeah, he'd, he'd probably have some sentimental value to it. But now back at FedEx Field, you just know Chase Young is going to be souped up. And you're going to hear it probably Early on in the broadcast, as far as Chase Young back in Washington, Trent Williams back in Washington, blah, blah, blah. But it's going to be, it's gonna mean something to both of those guys, especially for Chase, who was traded just really two months ago at the trade deadline. So again, defensively, I talk about Nick Bosa on the outside and Chase. Those are the really their two bookends. Chase hasn't played a ton of snaps. And what I mean by that, he's not on the field for 75, 85% of the snaps like Nick Bosa is. He's more of a rotational piece right now to where he's playing about 50-55% of the snaps. But then you look in the middle and you got Javon Hargrave, who's second to Bosa, in sacks for this team, and Eric Armstead. And then you take a step back. And this is the duo that I want to talk about a little bit because good linebacker play is extremely underrated from a defensive success perspective for all three levels. And how the lungs of your defense affect all three levels and with fred warner and dre greenlaw and they've battled some injury issues this year at times but these two in my opinion they are the clear-cut top linebacker duo in the nfl run game working in coverage fred warner is just fantastic in coverage and they're gonna have absolutely zero issues with guys like logan thomas john bates and antonio gibson this week i don't expect them to have any issues Running up the middle, they're going to work off of the gaps that Hargrave and Eric Armstead occupy. They're just outstanding football players. And again, it starts at the second level for this defense. And it's just so impressive to watch. I love seeing linebackers that trust their eyes, that play with their hair on fire, in positions that are asked a lot of in the NFL. And we know Jamin Davis, right? Ben in Washington, For a long time already, right? First rounder out of Kentucky years ago. But the progression, we have not seen it there. And now he's injured and he's going to miss the rest of the season. He hasn't been active for the last couple weeks as well. What do you do with Jamin there? Again, as the last contracted linebacker moving into 2024. Again, the only linebacker under contract moving into next year is just Jamin Davis in number 52. So we'll see what they do with that position. And I absolutely expect them, and as they should, to make an addition or two, whether it's in the draft or it's in a free agency. Right? So this defense, with as, as sexy as the names are on offense, and as sexy as the names are in Bosa and Chase Young and Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave are hello players as well. Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw at the middle, the lungs, the nucleus, the heart of this defense. And I, I don't want to even say that lightly. They everything spurs off of their ability in the run game on early downs. And designated passing downs where they are fantastic in flipping their hips, getting their depth, picking up crossers, or you ask them to cover a tight end or running back and man, and they can do that as well. They're just fantastic football players. So on the outside, Diamador Len Walker, they took out of Oregon on day three, is primarily going to line as their slot guy. On one side, it's going to be Treverius Ward, really one of the more underrated corners in all of football. And on the other side, they've had a little bit of a rotation there, but most likely it's going to be Ambry Thomas. They also drafted Daryl Luter out of South Alabama on day three this year, but it has been Ambry Thomas. He was there uh, starting last week, again, against the Baltimore Ravens. And this is going to be a fun matchup because I'm sure everyone's excited right, to see Jacoby. I'm interested to see how he's going to play, but it's not going to be easy. Against this defense. Uh, alongside Baltimore, really one of the top defenses in the NFL. It's more of a 1A, 1B in my opinion. I do have Baltimore as my top defense in the NFL, but San Francisco is damn near right beside him. And look, the corners aren't going to move the needle for anybody. Tashawn Gibson at safety. Um, he is more of that. They, they really run just, just one safety. Jair Brown's a day two pick this year out of Penn State. He's been banged up. We'll see if he plays or not. They lost Talanoa Hafunga. They took out of USC a couple years ago. He's a hell of a player, but it's going to miss the rest of the year. He was a major piece as that second-level, third-level defender. But, look, again, the secondary names aren't the headliners, but they're good football players, and they feed off of the pressure that the front four can get and what Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw allow this defense to do at the third level and their priorities and coverage. And you're not you're not going to see a ton of man from this group. You're going to see it a little bit, but you're going to see it more so, look, early portions of this game— what will Jacoby do under center? What is going to be the offensive game plan for Eric Biennemi against this defense? Because look, you're still trying to compete and win a football game. I understand that. For some of you guys out there that are saying, "Oh no, just lose and tank and draft position. I'm going to say it again until I'm blue in the face. I'm not going to get excited about Washington's draft position or who they ultimately take until I understand that Washington learns how to evaluate at the end of the day. And again, I said it at the top of this podcast. Washington taking a quarterback right now and just plugging him in and hoping everything works. With this offensive line specifically, it ain't going to work, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so I know attend- I know additions are going to be made. But right now, just throwing a quarterback in, and then you're trying you're taking a tackle on day two instead of maybe trading back or taking your tackle, Nola Fushano, Joe Walt, Marius Mims, Jordan Morgan, Patrick Paul, Talise Fuaga, whoever the hell it is, as your tackle potentially on day one. Look, there's a lot of conversations to be had. But I'm just not going to get excited until I see who Washington hires as GM and how they prove, hopefully moving into next year and the years following, that they can evaluate from college to the NFL. Skill set, set fit, projection, coaching, development, it all matters. You don't just pick a guy, try to pigeonhole him, drop him in the roster and see what happens. Because that's what we saw, unfortunately, in year one for Emmanuel Forbes. And you could say, even at times this year, what the team asked of Sam Howell. And that can come down a little bit on Vita Pritchard, Washington's QB coach, and Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator. You could say that. But I'm just not going to get freaking excited, guys, about picks. When I know, proven these last two, three, four years, since Martin, Martin Mayhew and Ron Vera have been in town, that they can evaluate. Now those guys are going to be gone. And there's going to be new faces here. But I'm just not going to get excited just yet until I know who is GM and their background and learning to get to know some of those individuals are going to be new faces and new places and new voices inside Washington's draft room come April. So that is the San Francisco 49ers. Again, 11-4 and and in the NFC West. Uh, Their punter is Mitch Wisnowski. They drafted Jake Moody out of Michigan this year in the third round. Uh, they, uh, Ronnie Bell is going to be their primary punt returner day three pick out of Michigan. who's had a really nice start to his career as kind of that late day three option. Someone that comes in as that wide receiver five wide receiver six that we've seen in Washington the last few years with Dax mill and Alex Erickson and trying to return punts. That's what Ronnie Bell is for this roster. And then as a kick returner, we are going to see both Ronnie Bell and Debo Samuel at times aligned back there, but you know, special teams in 2023, in the NFL, it's just, other than punt returns, really, it's just really non existent from the return game. There's no more of your feared right kick returners where your Devin Hesters and your Brian Mitchells and your Josh Cribbs and your Dante Halls of the world and your Deshaun Jackson's. There's just not that anymore, which is unfortunate. Um, as fun as special teams used to be, just all the different rules from the physicality perspective and limiting hits and contact and full speed contact, all that stuff is limited nowadays. So, Really, again, special teams, just the fun and excitement of it where everybody likes to return kicks. Think about when we're all younger, right? And you play a 10-on-10 football game or an 8-on-8, and you start off the game with a kick return. You want to be the one returning the kick. It's always a fun thing to do. And that, unfortunately, this has been really taken out of the NFL with the new kickoff rules. But that is, again, San Francisco 49ers, and that is going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Always appreciate your likes and reviews, your shares and your subscribes. Always appreciate your engagement. Love hearing from you guys on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. All of my written work is housed at Bleacher Report. My most recent article was last week to where I looked at the top seven or eight, I believe. I had uh, receivers, the top scheme fits for each top, again, receiver in the 2024 NFL Draft. That's at Bleacher Report. And then coming out this Saturday, it'll be posted early in the morning. Again, on BleacherReport.com will be an article focused on the running backs, the top 12 running backs in the 2024 NFL draft to know and I listed scheme fits for all of those guys went a little bit into their games so some names for you guys to know if Washington potentially were to take another guy moving into this year's draft with losing of course Antonio Gibson do they want a scat back type of player Do they want a guy to come in and compete with Brian Robinson and Chris Rodriguez so again that will be posted early on Saturday morning again the top 12 running backs to know in the 2024 NFL Draft, including scheme fits for each of those guys. And a couple of those guys, scheme fits, are with the Washington Commanders. So, appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in. Again, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. I will talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Right. Enjoy New Year's coming up. And again, I will talk to you on Monday morning, recapping win, loss, or tie with Washington hosting the San Francisco 49ers at 1 o'clock at FedEx Field. So enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. Enjoy the weekend, right? Enjoy New Year's. Everybody stay safe. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.